All right, guys. Well, if you have your Bibles there at home, um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to go over most of the chapter. We want to let the scripture speak for itself. There's a lot in there. Uh, But last Sunday, we looked at the title was Great Love, right? Great Love. And this Sunday, today, uh, the Sunday before Christmas, we're going to look at Great Light, Great Light. And there, there have been a ton of studies concerning the connection between natural light and health. And I promise I'm not going to give you a lecture right now about what light does, but I just want to give you a few insights, right? Natural light, number one, it boosts vitamin D. We kind of know that, right? Natural light boosts vitamin D. Natural light, it, it wards off seasonal depression. Natural light improves sleep. And so natural light, it leads to some serious health benefits. Similarly, spiritual light leads to many eternal benefits as well. We know Jesus is the light of the world. And we don't have enough time to list all of the beneficial results of knowing Jesus, but a few things. Spiritual light saves souls. Spiritual light defeats death. Spiritual light brings the fullness of joy to our lives. Great light was born in a dark night. And Jesus was born and revealed to what society would see as lowly people. Lowly people. So we're going to take a look at a few different people. The shepherds, number one. We're going to look at the shepherds. We're going to look at Simeon. And we're going to look at Anna. In the context of the birth of Jesus. Again, Jesus was born and light alerted the shepherds of his birth. Simeon recognized Jesus was the light to illuminate the Gentiles. And Anna recognized Jesus as the light of the world and gave thanks to the Lord. And she went out to share with others about this light. I love this quote by a writer named Woodrow Kroll. He said, Glory in Christ, and you can bask in his light forever. Psalm 1828 says, for it is you who lights my lamp, Lord my God lightens my darkness. John 8, 12, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me, and this is an important part, he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so light was born in Bethlehem, in a damp, dark manger And his name was Jesus. So great light. So let's pray, and then we'll get in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity just to, um, even through Facebook Live, to look at your word and and see what you have for us this morning. We thank you that every time we open your word, Lord, uh, you encourage us, you lift us up, and you remind us what this life is about. And we pray that that would happen this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the light of the world revealed himself in a lowly place to lowly people. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinus was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because there was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. 
So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for Jesus in the inn, so he was born in a dingy cave, a feeding trough. It wasn't a glamorous beginning. It's amazing that the Savior of the world was born in a stinky area where animals usually lived, right? This demonstrates a couple things. It demonstrates humility and the relatability of Jesus. He wasn't born in a kingdom on earth. He wasn't born to rich people who just gave him everything, right? This is why Jesus could relate to the commoners. He came for the outcasts. There was no room for Jesus in the end, but there is room for Jesus in every single heart that accepts him. And that's the beautiful thing about the Lord. He's not a rejecter, right? He's an acceptor. He will accept those who come to him, broken in humility, saying, Lord, I'm a sinner, save me. It's amazing. So humble beginnings, definitely. And then verse 8 says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. So for the shepherds, it was just business as usual, right? They were taking care of and tending their sheep. It's what they did. And at this point, they had no clue that Jesus was born. And these were shepherds who really took care of the temple sheep and lambs. And so they were just kind of doing their job, going about their daily day monotonous business. Here's what we do. This is what we do. This is our job. This is so no big deal until they were interrupted, until they were interrupted in verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. What a shocking and pleasant interruption. They don't know this yet because they're freaking out, <laughs> but this would be, turn out to be a pleasant interruption. This must have been. The dark night was immediately saturated by the presence of an angel, the glory of the Lord. I mean, it's kind of like, wow, one of those moments where you're just like, I don't even have words the angel shining showed up to give a message to the shepherds, which was verse 10. Here's the message, because we know angel means messenger, right? So the angels gave a message to the shepherds, which was singular angel. The choir would come later. Verse 10 says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So don't you love good news? I mean, I, I just, I'd rather have good news. Like, I don't even want to know the bad news. Just keep it to yourself. The good news or bad news, just keep the bad news to yourself. What's the good news? Like, I don't just ignore it. But this is good news here. First, the angel said to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Calm down. All is well. Don't trip out. It's all good. You know, the angel brought a message, though, of good tidings. And this literally means the angel preached the gospel to those outcast shepherds. Shepherds in this day, they were considered uh, unreliable and they had bad reputations. They were not even allowed to give testimony in court. They were just, they were seen as whatever, the shepherds over there, who cares about them? Society, uh, society saw them as nobodies. They were overlooked. But God saw them as his precious children. So every person is fearfully and wonderfully made, right, by God. And we have to stop, we can't, We've got to stop seeing people as irritations and start seeing them as God's children who need to be saved. God sees people not as like, oh, you annoy me. 
but he sees people as like, oh, I love you. I want you to be saved. I want your hard heart to be soft. I want, you know, I want you to walk with me. And so after Jesus was born, the angel, which was the very first preacher of the gospel, shared the good news with the lowly shepherds. And, and that's the thing. There's, there's no person who, who doesn't deserve to hear the gospel. The angel showed up in light and illuminated the shepherds' hearts with good tidings. And here is what the message was. In verse 11 and 12, here's the message. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. So the angel was the first to share the gospel, and the shepherds were the first to hear the gospel. The overlooked shepherds were now the recipients of salvation. God came for the sinners, not for the self-proclaimed self-righteous. Jesus came for the lowly, the outcast, the ones who knew they were sinners, not the ones who thought they were perfect. No one is beyond the grasp of the gospel, no one. And this is what drew me into following Jesus, you know, that the lack of critical judgment and the huge influx of love and acceptance, that's what drew me to follow Jesus, to follow the Lord in the first place. And that's the thing, is this your heart? Is it filled with God's love or is it filled with critical judgment? Like God's the judge, we are called to love. And of course, God is the just judge, but he's also gracious, he's patient, he's merciful. Emulate Jesus and you'll be living a godly life. <laughs> and he desires none to perish, right, the Bible says, but all to come to repentance. So God's love lured me to him and his love keeps me seeking him. And that's a question for you, for us. Like, how has God's love altered and affected your life? And I think this is probably a good week to just think about how God has changed your life, touched your heart, changed your desires, worked in your life, in your life of your spouse and your family. It's like this is the week to just reflect on, man, God has, it's a, it's a week really to share testimony. The shepherds, they were lowly, and that is who Jesus was revealed to first. And the Bible says, the last will be first and the first will be last. And so it's just a beautiful picture of the fact that no one's beyond the grasp of the gospel. You know, God, God wants to reveal Jesus to the humanity. God so loved the world, right? Not just the Jews, but the Gentiles and anyone who would come to him. Anyone with a broken heart who says, Lord, I'm not good enough, but you are. I want to follow you. It's just an amazing picture here in the, in the, um, in the shepherd's field. And so what happens? Well, in verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things in her, pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So there was one angel 
sending the message, giving the gospel, right? One angel, after the gospel was shared, then they were, there was just a, a grip of angels, like a whole, a whole crowd of angels worshiping and praising God. I mean, just think about these not poor shepherds. I mean, they heard the gospel and they responded, and it was amazing. But at the same time, it's like, what's going on? Like, we were just in the, in the dark tending sheep and lambs, taking care of them. And all of a sudden, this powerful thing happens. So there's all of these angels now were worshiping and praising God. The Bible says when one sinner is saved, the angels rejoice. Here it is on earth in the shepherd's field. And this was a powerful, life-changing, life-invading moment in a good way, a pleasant interruption. And here's the chorus that was sung. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And so all glory should go to the Father of lights. He gets all of the honor and all of the praise. And the message from the upper world to the lower world was peace, goodwill toward men. All this, all that is good, it flows from the incarnation of Christ, and all peace results from it. An angel relayed the gospel, the angels worshipped, and then the shepherds looked at each other and were like, Let's go to Bethlehem. This is, they just, it was just this powerful moment. They're like, let's go. Let's, let's verify this information. It was given to us. Let's go see in person. I'm going to go see for myself. And this was exciting that the Messiah was born. And so, so they came with haste. They hurried. They're like, let's go. Let's, let's go right now. What are we waiting for? No hesitation. They came with haste to Joseph and Mary. Basically, they ran. And they saw the baby in the manger or the feeding trough. The angels relayed words that turned out to be 100% true, and that just shows us, just like it does from Genesis to Revelation, that God's promises are 100% true all the time. He doesn't break his promises ever. What did the shepherds do after they saw Jesus? Well, they told the truth and made widely known what they saw. Testimony time, right? Share what you saw. No one can argue with your testimony. God has worked in your life. He saved your soul. He's done a work. He's doing a work, and he's going to do a work in the future. No one could argue with your testimony. So what an opportunity for us to share what God has done in our lives. Testimonies are powerful. I love when people share how God has worked in their life because it encourages me. So let's share our testimonies with one another. So the nobodies, right, the shepherds, relayed what they saw and the hearers were amazed. It says they marveled, actually. They were astounded. They're like, wow. The shepherds returned to their fields, and they praised God for the revelation they were given. Light showed up in the form of angels who shared with the shepherds, who verified these sayings, who then shared what they saw. Light isn't meant to just hit one heart and stop there. It's meant to flow through us. Yes, it hits our heart, it affects us, it opens our eyes, but then we don't, we're not selfish with it. We're like, okay, it's changed me, it changed my life, now I need to relay this. Our hearts were illuminated and our whole lives changed, and this is what the gospel does. And I'm just going to give you a few scriptures related to that. Matthew 4.16 says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Micah 7, 8 says, The Lord will be my light. Psalm eighteen twenty eight says, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. John 1, 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John eight twelve says, 
When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That is the key verse right there. Light came down from heaven to earth in a dingy manger to rescue sinful man. God is love, and in him is no darkness at all. So the shepherds saw the light, and now we see Simeon saw how the light would actually affect humanity. The light was for everyone, if you will. Joseph and Mary, they presented Jesus to the Lord in Jerusalem and offered sacrifices. Verse 24 shows us the state, uh, material state of Joseph and Mary. Verse 24, because they offered turtle doves and pigeons. See, back then, if you didn't have a lamb, if you were poor, if you were really in poverty, you couldn't afford a lamb. So it was acceptable to to offer turtle doves and pigeons. So these offerings demonstrate that this couple, Mary and Joseph, they were lowly. They were poor. They weren't these rich kings with everything handed to them. They were poor. Yet spiritually, they were rich. They were seekers of the one true God, and that is why God used their lives greatly. God didn't look at the material state of their lives. He looked at the spiritual heart that they had. So here's Simeon. Here's Simeon's story in verse 25 to 35. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy uh, Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He was given a promise. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon was just, and he was devout, and he was waiting for the Messiah. He had a promise from the Holy Spirit that he'd see the Messiah before he died. Again, God fulfills promises. He saw Jesus, and he took him up in his arms. Just like, kind of like, older older people, it's just, it's just for some reason, they, they have... They have the right to do that. You know, they're just like, let me see your child. And he just grabbed you know, the baby and held him up, you know. And, and he saw Jesus, took him in his arms. He was elated. Simeon was elated. What a holy, blessed moment this was for Simeon. And look at what he recognized, that Jesus would be a light to the Gentiles and Israel. In other words, the gospel would not only affect the Jews, but the Gentiles also. Simeon, he waited for the light. He saw the light. He held the light, and his life was fulfilled. He saw the Messiah. The light of the world brought revelation to the world. And Joseph and Mary, they marveled at this scene. They were learning, too. These lowly, poor parents that were spiritually rich, that loved the Lord, were just like, wow, this was a prophecy. This was a promise. He's going to do what? Like, they were, it was a revelation to them as well, like, eye-opening, jaw-dropping kind of stuff. 
So as their eyes and their hearts were being illuminated further of who they would actually be raising, like, come again, this, this really is the Messiah? This is going to be the, wow. Think of that responsibility. Think of that responsibility, but also think of the responsibility God gives each one of us. We're called to reflect Christ and share the truth. Are you reflecting Christ's heart in your actions, in your attitudes? Are you representing the heart of Jesus in your words and your reactions? We have a great responsibility, too, because the light has affected our hearts. Like, we have been saved. Our souls are for the Lord, and we're going after him. So it's like now we get to be representatives, in a sense, and stewards of the truths of the word of God, of the gospel of Jesus. And so Simeon was just, this was a powerful moment for Simeon. It was a powerful moment for Mary and Joseph going, wow, just like amazing. The shepherds were wowed. Now Mary and Joseph were wowed. And it's like, so we see shepherds, we see Simeon. And now, thirdly, we see Anna in verse 36. Verse 36 to 38 says, Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phinuel, and the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So we don't know exactly like what capacity Anna served as a prophetess, maybe just here bringing forth this specific word about Jesus. But Anna's walk with God, it was demonstrated by her devotion to God and her love for Jesus, her love for the Lord, and her desire to tell others about Jesus, to share the good news about the light being born. As a, as a widow, you know, Anna knew pain. You know, you figure she knew pain, she knew heartache, she understood loss, probably understood loneliness, yet she didn't grow bitter and she didn't turn hopeless. Right? She remained hopeful. Why? Because she was a woman of worship and she was a woman of prayer. Anna remained hope-filled because her hope was in the light of the world. So her heart and her mind, it was illuminated. She was blind, but now she could see and isn't that the story of every unbeliever who gets saved and begins their journey with the Lord? Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts. You know, we open it. Light pours out, you know, pours into our hearts, helping us to see. And then, like, we pass the torch. <laughs> you know, like, salvation should not stop with you. It should flow through you, if you will. You were saved as you trusted in Jesus but now there's a whole world out there who are lost. And especially in this, the context of the time that we're in, people are depressed. Depression is rising. Suicide is rising. All the negative stuff in our society is rising because of what is going on right now. And we actually are holding on to the hope that is sure. And we get to actually take in that hope, believe it, encourage ourselves in it, and then go out and share it. We, we shouldn't just stop with, okay, I encourage myself. Now I'm good. There's, there's a whole world.